Hello Marvelites, you are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale February 22nd, 2023. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. The M stands for matching, because everyone knows that you're a matchmaker. It's true, it's true. I bring all the great couples together. Like, yeah, you must have been busy this past week. Yeah, it was um, Valentine's Day, always great for me. Also, you know... I take no credit when anyone falls out of love, but I take all the credit when people fall in love. That's how it works. Aww. Uh, but look, we're not here to talk about love. Maybe, a li- you know what? We will talk a little bit about love because uh, there's yeah. some romance in our books this week. It's very exciting. Yes. We love a good romance story. We're going to get into all that because this is the official Marvel podcast from Marvel Comics where we give you some details and reasons to check out every new comic every freaking week. We'll give you our three personal picks of the week. This week was tough. We had like seven that we really wanted to pick, but we're sticking to three. These are the three books we say, you gotta buy them. They're so good. Uh, we'll also tell you about every other issue coming out this week. We'll pick a favorite non-spoilery reason for you to check it out. And we're going to give an award to each book pulled from a quote from one of this week's issues. We'll get into that a little bit later. Plus, we're going to run through all the new Infinity comics hitting Marvel Unlimited, some highlights from issues new to Marvel Unlimited this week, and some picks for collections on sale. On top of all that, we've got a reading club and a guest. Who are we talking to? What are we talking about? We are entering... The Garon Zone this yeah, week yeah, with yeah. Javier Garon. We're going to be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, and we're going to just get ready, Ryan. We're going to be talking about space vampires. I can't wait. Can't wait. We're going to get into the Garon Zone a little bit later. For now, let's get into our picks of the week, starting with my first pick, Sabretooth and the Exiles, number four. Written by Victor Laval, art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Rain Barreto, and lettering by VCs Corey Pettit. I'm pretty sure we picked Sabretooth and the Exiles previously. It just continues to rock my freaking face off. It is at times really, really funny, very, very dark, twisted, exciting, heartbreaking, and it's all coming together in this issue. There's a moment early on where the the exiles teams, the, the group from Krakoa who had been exiled into the pit and who have broken out alongside Sabretooth, they're figuring out where to go and they, they realize like there's a place where horrible horrible people have been experimenting on mutant babies and they're like trying to figure out what they're going babies exactly and and so one of them's like what's going on there and then there's a couple of shots and leonard kirk does such great work with like the character acting of silent panels and the characters like looking around trying to make sure no one's within earshot and then it's like a whisper panel of babies and the next shot is nanny coming in from like (laughs) you can almost feel nanny sliding in from behind the doorway did somebody say babies i died i was cracking up so funny and then you like shift gears because this is a saber tooth story and you're you're going into saber tooth who is you're almost feeling for him. He's going through a whole bunch of things. His body is kind of breaking down, which is a really interesting thing because he's kind of functionally immortal with his healing factor and all that stuff. But he's he's like really hurting. And he's got this ship full of young, impressionable mutant minds. And there's this beautiful splash page of him sitting there 
truly holding court and telling all these young mutants why Krakoa is messed up, how they're all against us, how they can't go to Krakoa. Like he is indoctrinating all these people. So you're, you're, you're at one point feeling for Creed. And then the next point you're like, you monster, your, your, your narrative here is wild. And it's, you're, you're so into it. It's, so good. Uh, there's a moment at the end, the, like the second to last. When I got to the second to last page, just those like last couple of pages, I knew what was coming and I hadn't been spoiled on it. But having been a longtime Sabretooth fan, I was like, oh, this better be who I think it's going to be. And you get to this point and I was just like fist pumping. I was like, oh, I had no idea. You had, did you know the character or did you you had no clue? Nothing. I had no idea. Oh, man. This is such a, it's such a deep 90s pull and it's so exciting and it's got so much meat on the bone. We'll talk about this more. I really want to have Victor on the show because his work has been kicking our asses. Uh, it's so good. And then that the last page of the book is this great reveal, but it also is a horror show. You've, you, you've got this actual like scene from what would be a horror movie and you're like, Oh, the reality of that situation is so, so wild. This has got great team dynamics, empathy, hero moments, character beats, great dialogue, solid art. Everything about it comes together. It is the total package. I friggin' love this series. So good. My first pick of the week is Deadpool number four. And you already kind of alluded to the fact that we have a couple of romance stories. And this is probably the first of the bunch. And yes, like this is a Deadpool book. So there is a whole lot of fighting and action and, you know, your typical Deadpool violence um, in this book. But it's also just got such a beautiful heart at the core of it. It is written by Alyssa Wong with art by Martin Coccolo. We have colors by Naraj Manan and then letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And it is very, it is such a sweet issue uh, because we've kind of been getting to know Valentine Vong for a minute now. And now that they're kind of together, uh, we get to see how they work together, how they fight together. And like, they are so charming. I cannot get over how charming Valentine is in this issue. And there's one particular moment that like just charms the hell out of Deadpool. And it's, of course, of course it does. It is Deadpool. It is them stealing a gun from Deadpool. And no one knows how this happens, including themselves. But it is such a charming moment that Deadpool is just like fawning over them. And I'm like, I love them together. I ship it. The other crazy thing that happens in this issue is we get this huge fight between Dr. Octopus, Lady Deathstrike, Harrower, who's one of the villains that we met at the beginning of the series. And on the other side, we have Valentine and Deadpool. But the symbiote of it all comes <laughs> to a head here. And it is intense. It is wild. I can see that Alyssa is having so much fun on this book. And what they do with the symbiote here is ridiculous. I laughed. I cried. I was angry at times. But at the same time, like, I can only imagine where Alyssa is going with this. And it's it's exciting stuff. It, there's just so much going on in here. We'll also add that at the end of this issue, we get a, like, post-credit page where we get Deadpool's lists of names for his symbiote. Um, and they're all pet names and definitely have, I'm going to have to ask Alyssa when we have them on the show next to find out which one of those names Deadpool is landing. If one of those names are the ones that he's going to land on. Indeed. All right. Third pick of the week is Strange Academy finals number four. This is my favorite issue of this, this run, this volume, maybe of the entire series. It's real good. Written by Scotty Young, art by Humberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, lettering by VCs Clayton Cowles. Man, look, look, Humberto Ramos, legend, true, 
true legend. His art is on point on this issue. It is there. There's a panel in here of magic, Ilyana Rasputin, and there's just something he does. He just like her face. There's something about her face. I just kept looking at it. I was like, that's a cool face. The expression on it, the way it looks, it just, it's something special. And he does that a couple of times in this issue where I was, I just felt myself taking in the art and I was just like absorbed into the work. And it's not just the the face, but it's all the details. And there are a ton of details. There's so much that he's building into backgrounds, big splash pages, battles, characters, costumes, little um, the visual things that characters are doing, their, their body language. It, it's, it's all in there. And it's, again, he's truly one of the best, but it's really fun to continue to see one of the best still putting out their great work, not like resting on any laurels. He's just doing it. This is all the things you want out of this book. You've got the kids in school. You've got the hero moments. You've got the villain moments. You've got uh, the the fun teacher bits. You've got the guest stars, the cameos, them feeling like a community, feeling like there's relationships. You've got the overarching stories of, of loss and betrayal and anger and teenage stuff. It, it It is the promise of this story come to bear all in one issue. It's really good. Plus, there's, there's a couple of beats going on here where there's a giant storm coming so you get them in new orleans you get the kids from strange academy in new orleans interacting with other people which adds a lot of like funny moments and really really sweet moments and then the end it's like the the drumbeat of war is coming and i'm like hell yeah this book this is this is the issue it, it rocks all right let's head on over to our community section now and jasmine what was last week's award all right so last week we were giving out the Little Islands and Little Meats Award. Mm-hmm. And it came from Wolverine issue number 30. You bet it did. Ugh, what I a touching that. scene. It's great. It was great. And also horrifying. I'm sure and horrifying. It. Oof, oof, oof. Hell of a good one. But we did have a winner, Super 75 at Super 75, who found it on a Thursday. Didn't think they won, but they did. And they said they always like to share it when I catch it and said that ending. Dang, bro. Agreed. 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 (sighs) Here's a we got a good one, a good message in from Mallory at Ravenclaw 2313, who said in an episode of Marvel's Pull List, we mentioned that people who don't read the X-Men and Mallory says, I'm one, didn't get into them early, and now I just find the sheer number of characters overwhelming and intimidating. I feel like I need a wiki to read one issue. If you have advice, I'll take it. Ooh, yeah. Mallory. You asked the right person. Yeah. Uh, I, I jotted all this down very quickly um, and then thought about it some more, and I, th- I feel good about it. So... First up, X-Men Season 1, which is an original graphic novel by Dennis Hopeless and Jamie McKelvey, which sort of, we did a whole bunch of these Season 1 graphic novels that touched on the early years of various characters. They're all really good. You can all check them out. Uh, I know this one has been collected in, in a bunch of other ways, too. Plus, Jamie, wonderful artist that he is, gets to redesign some costumes and do some really cool stuff. Then if you want some, you know, jump into the recent stuff, you've got House of X and Powers of Ten. We've talked about those a lot. I I really do think those sort of wipe the slate clean in a way where Mm -hmm. if you're not even an X-Men fan, you can come in, read those, 
get enough of the context, get a sense of the history, but push forward with it and go into the ne- the next bunch of stories, right? You also get to know who the big players are, like yes. on both sides, the evil and the good side. Yeah, very much so. Um, and then if you do go with House of X and Powers of Ten, those start, the, the, those are actual like names of series you can go with. And then there's, you know, you can go into the different eras that we go in after that. Dawn of X, Reign of X, Destiny of X, which we're in right now, and then the upcoming Fall of X. There's tons of reading lists over on Marvel.com. We have tons of ways to to help you get informed of what to read, when to read it, and how to do all that stuff. I know that does feel like a lot, but once you're in that rhythm, you're like, ooh, go, 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 go. It's a lot of fun. If you don't want to do that, you can take a step back. Astonishing X-Men from 2004. We recently talked about some of those issues, but that was also a vibe of like, let's refresh, start anew, go back to basics a little bit, but give it a, a modern touch. Um, that is Joss Whedon and John Cassidy. There's 25 issues. They're great. Really um, set the stage for a modern X-Men. Take a step back even further from that. New X-Men from 2001. So that's issues 114 through 154. And there's an annual in there pretty early in the run. Written by Grant Morrison with incredible art by a number of artists. Frank Quietly, Phil Jimenez, uh, Mark Silvestri, many, many more. That that was very much a modernizing of the X-Men in a new way. So that one, again, you don't have to go into knowing much of anything. It really gives you everything right there. If you want a complete, fresh take on the X-Men, Ultimate X-Men. It's a book that I think doesn't get enough respect and enough love. Uh, it's something I've been thinking about a little bit recently. I was just talking to Captain America writer uh, Tochi Onyibuchi about Ultimate X-Men and how both of us were like, yeah, that was was good. You got Adam Kubert doing some cool stuff there. Mark Miller. It it is very different, but it also still sticks with a lot of the core things about what makes X Men X Men. Um, if you want to go back to basics and then really like start to inform yourself of all of it, start with Giant Size X Men from 1975. That's the that's really the the part where it all starts, where everything that we're talking about blooms out of, and then you go into X-Men number 94 from 1975 and then on because it's written by Chris Claremont and it just it's the the most famous run of 200 issues of yeah. uh, of X-Men stuff and it builds the foundation for every X-Men character you love yeah, or you, you will really, love. You really just like sold the words out of my mouth. I was like it's the foundation for me. Yeah. And because it is in so many ways. Um so and they're really good. They they really mm-hmm. hold up. They're really great stories, great characterizations. There's a million ways you can read it in terms of collections and finding it on Marvel Unlimited and stuff like that. We have reading lists aplenty. I would, that's a great one. Uh, if you want something a little bit more modern after that, though, the X-Men 1991 relaunch, which is called Mutant Genesis. That's a really cool one. You know, it's sort of, again, wipe the slate clean gave us a new starting point uh and the last one i'll just uh, last couple toss out there there's a graphic novel called god loves man kills which really distills x-men down to its core things and gives you a sense of who they are what they fight for and what they mean to people in in a lot of great ways so that's a great one so mallory you have many suggestions i am hopeful that those help you please let us know if you do start to take any of them and and what you think we want to hear from you about all these I'll make sure to drop them all in the show notes with links to the Marvel Unlimited pages so you can access them easily. Sweet. 
All right, Jasmine, what is this week's award name? All right, this week we are giving out the Make Out With Me for Science Award. It's a good one. It's a very, very good one. And we're going to give that to all our books right now, starting with Amazing Spider-Man number 20. I have really enjoyed this two-parter. I immediately finished uh, reading this. I emailed the editors, Nick and Kagan, and I was just like, I love Joe Kelly so much. There's just... How how is he so fun and so ridiculous? Uh, some of my favorite dialogue slinging throughout all the comics. I could give my award to so many things, but I will give my make out with me for science award to a line that goes, quote, men like you remind me to be grateful that there are men like you for me to humili- humiliate. I just I cracked up and it's not said in the like darkest tone, but it's got such a bite to it. Plus, Black Hat and Spider-Man together is OTP. Next up, we have Betsy Brodick, Captain Britain, issue number one. And I've been waiting for this because the last time we saw our girl, Betsy Brodick, she was with Rachel and I wanted more. And we barely got any at the end of that series. And this issue is full of it. I am so excited to explore this relationship um, and explore Betsy Brodick on, on her own adventures, separate of Otherworld. And we get a lot here. Like, there's clearly a bunch of seeds that are being planted here in this one issue. So it's exciting to see where it might go next. But I need to give my Make Out With Me For Science Award to Micromax for... Damn it. Not that I'm, like, supporting (laughs) Micromax in any way, but he launches a podcast and launches it with 6.5 million subscribers in the first episode. That's, That's impressive. That's... That's not an easy feat. Not in today's industry. Yeah, seriously. All right, we've got Carnage number 10 this week. It's, there's, this is, a again, it's a Carnage book. So it's brutal and it's messed up and it's nasty. And I'm going to give my Make Out With Me for Science Award to the creation of all blood, which is Carnage's new sword. Come on. We've had the all black for Venom. Carnage gets the all blood. I love it. Hell yeah. I love it. So metal. Next up, we have Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man number five. I've loved this series. This series has been so cool. This is the last issue of it. It is bizarre for a Spider-Man story, but I'm here for it. And I'm going to go ahead and give my Make Out With Me for Science Award to a new character that is introduced in this issue. Um, that's all I'll say because it is, I, I really dig the design and I'm really curious to see if we'll get more. Yeah. We've got the final issue of Doctor Strange Fall Sunrise this week. Really weird, trippy series. I'm going to give my Make Out With Me for Science Award to Doctor Strange delivering a godchild while also concurrently in another plane of reality fighting a giant monster creature. It is bananas and it looks wild. Next up, we have Immoral X-Men number one. Um, This is the third issue of Sins of Sinister event that's kind of going on right now. And we get a little bit more of the uh, Quiet Council's, you know, ongoing stuff. Uh, They are all Sinister clones. We get to see how Sinister is dealing with, you know, the current situation that he's been put in um, into that he's, you know, clearly made himself, but whatever. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and give my make out with me for science award to the fact that even though Sinister has created a world in his own image, America still can't make a good cup of tea. Just 
the fact that we devoted like three pages to that. I loved it. It, it feels so good. Uh, on to Peter Parker and Miles Morales, Spider-Man Double Trouble number four. I was really close to having this as one of my picks of the week. It is just so much fun. It is pure joy as you have Peter and Miles together. And in this issue, mostly fighting Thanos. I don't, there's a million places I could give the, I'm going to just throw a couple of awards at it. So my make out with me for science awards are going to the final page with all the Easter eggs and the teases and the possibilities in there to the villains watching Thanos fight the Spider-Men's, the Spider's men (laughs) and being fans. And they're like, oh my God. And they're all taking their phones out and they're like taking pictures like, look at him go. And like fangirling for Thanos is so much fun there's a moment where uh an aim guy gives thanos a drink because he's like you should you're probably thirsty and thanos turns around it's like the super bowl ad he like gives him an autographed photo and it says aim for the sky crushed i was crushed it's so good and then there's one big splash page of peter and miles in the air ducts which is like come on come on it's this book is is perfection all right next up we have planet hulk world breaker number four and i'm gonna go ahead and just give my make out with me for science award to the fact that we finally get a hulk in full world war hulk mode like he's got his Mm -hmm. armor and his like weapons and i'm just like let's go so excited Mm -hmm. hell yeah all right another book i could have picked punisher war journal base number one this issue we jasmine and i were talking about this a lot off mic because torin grumbach writer is a monster damn you she's a horrible horrible person and we love her to bits yes. for the things she puts our characters through a hell of an issue but also like god bless you for giving us a scene where yes. frank castle interacts with a live laugh love poster that is all i've ever wanted Yes, the, the that's probably the, my makeout with Science Award goes to Frank making fun of a Live Laugh Love poster. I cracked up and it was really funny, but it also has a brutal like 15 page sequence in which oh Frank God. has to try to rescue a bunch of strangers. And there's connections to the Garth Ennis, uh, Steve Dillon run, the Welcome Back Frank and, and Onward stories, which I did not expect to see. And I'm so glad we got. Also, I'm going to give my makeout with me for Science Award to Doodle, the dog. Yes, to doodle. Next up, we have Savage Avengers number 10. And I have to go ahead and give my make out with me for science award to Uatu, who continues to annoy me forever. Because it's like Uatu just sitting on his butt doing nothing while all this is happening, only to like just self-aggrandize at the end of it and be like, I I did such a great job not interfering with this crazy (laughs) scenario. But he did something nice at the end, which I will forgive him for. He's still the worst. Yeah. Let's keep it going. Another one of our possible picks is She-Hulk number 10. Just, I, I, I'm going to give my make out with me for science award to writer Rainbow Rowell for making me care about Jack of Hearts. How dare you? Why would you? How did you? All the questions I would ask Rainbow. Maybe we should ask Rainbow at some point because- God is so good. This is a wonderful romance book. It's also got legal stuff and some superheroing. It's just, it is wonderful. Great issue. 
Next up, we have Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 29. And so we've been kind of following this arc about, you know, the spark. And the cool thing about this issue is we get a little bit more history behind the spark and where they come from, um, their origins. And we get a lot about, of that here. But at the end of this book, oh, I was so angry at Alyssa Wong. I was like, <laughs> you gave me something and you took it away within two months. And I, I'm angry now. But I love this book. Yeah. Another Star Wars issue out this week is Star Wars Yoda number four. Uh, there's there's a lot to love about this one. There's a really cool and very detailed Nick Bradshaw cover. Man, so good. But I, I want to give my Make Out With Me for Science Award to uh, artist Luke Ross and colorist Nolan Woodard. Just doing su- just tremendous art on this one. The first, the opening page, it almost has this woodcut look to it with Yoda and Dagobah and so cool. And then we get young and hot Dooku all up in this. Uh, okay. Oof. I, I wrote that in my notes. I'm glad that you also picked up on it. And I was like, okay, Dooku's kind of a snack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of snack. Love it. Next up, we have Thor number 31. This is also by Torin and easily, easily could have been a pick of the week for me. And I, I struggled with this one cause I really wanted to pick it, but I know. This book is just so good. And the amount of world building that Torrin is doing in this world and giving us just different versions of different characters or different realms or different, like, just, like, at one point they go to hell. Like, both Jane Foster and Thor go to hell. And we get these, we introduced to these two giant, like, crow, raven, like, mo- monsters. I don't know what yeah, to call they're, them. they're giant demonic monsters that eat souls in hell. Yes, and the entire time, these two birds are just cackling to each other as they're snacking on all these souls, just, like, making, like, joke after joke as they consume all these people. And at one point, it ruffles, pun not intended, but it ruffles Odin's feathers. And it is probably one of the funniest sequences ever. And I adore this book, and I love what Torrance's yeah. doing. I cannot wait to see what's coming next. But I'm going to give my Make Out With Me For Science award to... The mystery behind where Hela is, um, because that reveal was tasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. All right, we've got Tiger Division 4 out this week. Rounding out our books, I'm going to give my Make Out With Me for Science Award to the team, the Tiger Division team, because there's a vibe of connectivity there, their, like, their relationship that we've really only seen in these four issues and mm-hmm. their like, scant few appearances prior to this, maybe just like one comic, I'm trying to remember if it was more than that, but a few, you get the feeling that they are deeply connected, that they got each other's backs, that, you know, that there's a fun, but like really close chemistry with all of them, especially with how they are, most of the team is brought into this issue. So solid stuff. And that final page, bing bong, something's going down. I like it. And that's it for all our fabulous fresh floppies this week. But over on the collection side of things, we have the Axe Judgment Day collection hitting shelves. Um, It's gonna be fun to read that all in one sitting. Um, Avengers Forever Volume 2, The Pillars, and Hulk Grand Design. Um, which was so, so beautiful. So I'm excited to add those to my collection. Hell yeah. Over on Marvel Unlimited with Infinity Comics, we've got a new arc for X-Men Unlimited, starting with issue 75 this week. Zach Thompson writing it with Philip Sevy and CC De La Cruz doing the art. It's a, uh, look, it's a Marrow story. Come for it. It's so good. Uh, we've got Avengers Unlimited 34, Moon Knight, The Shroud, Master Pandemonium, 
Yes, yes, yes. Alex Segura doing it up. And then we've got a one-shot in Spider-Verse Unlimited, number 40, featuring Spider-Punk, written by Carlos Hernandez, art by Eleonora Carlini, which is going to be cool. There's new issues of Marvel's Voices, Moon Girl, Infinity Comic, Love Unlimited, Deadpool Loves the Marvel Universe, and Devil Dinosaur. Yeah. Also new to MU, we have a couple of new number ones. Uh, hitting the service, we have Blade Vampire Nation number one, Demon Wars Shield of Justice number one, uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier special number one, which I believe was one of our picks of the week, uh, Gold Goblin number one, and Murder World Avengers number one. Heck yeah. And then for classic comics hitting Marvel Unlimited this week, there's some really cool stuff in there. We've got Spider-Man Lifeline, which is real neat. Definitely suggest everybody check that out. Written by Fabian Nicieza, but art by... The dude, Steve Rude, if you don't know Steve Rude's work, read Lifeline, then go find all his other stuff. Very little work for Marvel, but some other great stuff out there. Man, Steve Rude is so good. Uh, Spider-Man Lifeline, pretty dang cool. Those are the books hitting Unlimited and everywhere else, but we are going to do a reading club. What do we got, Jasmine? We are headed to the Garone Zone to talk to Javier Garone about his work on Ant-Man and the Wasp with Mark Waid. All right, Jasmine, it's time to take a trip to the quantum realm, and we are joined by one of our returning guests, Javier Garon. Javier, how are you? Hi! I'm, Javier! I'm, hi! Hi! How are you guys? I'm super excited to be joining you guys again. We are officially in the Garon Zone. <laughs> Garon Zone. <laughs> I need a t-shirt with that. Yes. You're entering the Garonzo. Yes. <laughs> Sounds menacing, it. but it's really not. And uh, <laughs> we're very excited. We want everyone to enter the Garon Zone because we are talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, the limited series from 2018, which is a perfect time. God, I can't believe that was five years ago. Holy moly. crazy. crazy. <laughs> that, really that blows crazy. my mind. That was like a realization I just had, uh, which is it's been five years. This came out right in the lead up to Marvel Studios, Ant-Man and the Wasp. And now we're talking about it, talking with you in the lead up to Marvel Studios, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which is so cool. Before we get into the book, Javier, you, you went to the premiere. How much fun was that? Yeah. I mean, that Woo! was insane. That was absolutely I mean, I have no words to describe how incredibly amazing. I mean, you have to, you have to picture me. That is completely out of my comfort zone, like going to something as big as that, because you have to picture me as a piece of furniture in your living room. I'm like a table or a chair. I'm just <laughs> there like the whole day working like silently with my headphones on, listen to music, listen to podcasts. And I'm just, I'm not talking to anybody for the whole day, only to my dog. And my dog, and my dog doesn't understand me. He just, just looks at me and tilts the head like, are you going to give me food or what? So like taking me <laughs> from that, that scenario and putting Putting me in the middle of a Hollywood premiere, war premiere, Marvel Studios movie war premiere. It was completely insane. I was freaking out. I was so nervous. I could explode. I was I was fearing I was gonna explode in a shape of in a cloud of you know heart shaped confetti and teddy bears of love. I mean, I'm just so happy and so excited. <laughs> and yeah. It was it was insane. I was there and I was looking at all those beautiful people, 
<laughs> uh, recognizing people like uh, that is that that is that person that is that person also that is I don't know that's it was a kind of a out of out of my body experience like like so surreal like being because the, the premiere was also in um, in a in a in a theater near Beverly Hills so it was like traveling to another world it was just so amazing watching the movie with so many cool people beautiful people and i don't know it was just incredible incredible i'm just incredibly thankful for the invitation you say that and like i was sitting at home on my couch <laughs> on a chair probably similar to the one that you think that you are yeah. uh in my living room just like watching it on instagram being like seeing you <laughs> and your husband on the premiere like red carpet and i'm like i was screaming for you like i was very happy to see you and you looked like you were having a blast <laughs> Thank you so much. We, Made me so we, happy. Yeah, we 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 were kind of worried. We we've never been to anything like this, so we were kind of worried that are we gonna go like underdressed? Should we go like better dressed? Are we maybe people are not going to the premiere so well dressed and we are overdressed? I mean, uh, should we expect to be talking to someone? Um, should I prepare something to say? Uh, in fact, it's like really a really chill out event i mean you go there i mean unless you are like a big star but once you cross the front door and got your like your pass all the nervousness just went away and it was just uh, very chill in fact in fact it was very chill until this is this is a fun story because uh at some point we entered the theater so we went to our seats we sat there and at some point I look to my right and I see a person like approaching the line of seats and I go, that's, that's, that's Brian Michael Bendis. That's, that's Brian Michael Bendis. Oh my God, that's Bendis. Oh my God, that's Brian Michael Bendis. And I started, I was up to that point, I already calmed down. I, mean, I was, was very nervous before I went to the event. Once I entered the event, I just chilled because I knew that nothing was required of me other than be there and smile and enjoy the moment so we went into the theater we sat i was really chill really calm and then i saw bendis approaching i was like oh my god that's brian michael bendis <laughs> and then he started to walk towards us and i said no way he's sitting next to us i mean no way he's sitting next to us and he sat next to us <laughs> so I was oh there, God. like telling to my husband, he's the co-creator of Miles Morales. I mean, he's just a giant. He's just he's just a big rock star writer. He's like like the biggest thing ever. Also, <laughs> a sweetheart. Just... Did you did you introduce yourself? Yeah, I got the chance to introduce myself and talk a bit with him, and he was amazing, absolutely <laughs> lovely. Like really funny, really interesting, like really welcoming because I also fear that he was there with his son and I don't want to bother him, but he was like the coolest person ever. I mean, because I was, I, once he finished his Miles Morales run and Saladin Ahmed took the reins, I was the, the artist. So I, I'm, I was ready to tell him, uh, it's an honor, it's a pleasure. I was the artist on the next run of Miles Morales and and I was fearing that the movie was going to start 
and I was wasn't gonna get the chance to talk to him. So that that was also like fun a fun story inside the fun story that is going to LA to a, a Hollywood premiere, which wasn't on my wasn't on my twenty twenty three bingo card. <laughs> well, now we've got to talk about Ant Man and the Wasp and the series, which was uh, just so much fun to revisit. Written by Mark Wade, art by Javier Garon, colored by Israel Silva, lettered by VCs Joe Caramagna. And before we get into um, getting into your part of it, Javier, I just want to you know one of the things we like to do now is sort of like couch where this is in in Marvel comics and timeframes and stuff. And again, this is only. Five years ago, this was released in June of 2018, the same month as Dan Slott's last issue of Amazing Spider-Man, number 801. Uh, The Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda had just started for Black Panther. Wow. Um, The Deadpool series by Scotty Young and Nick Klein had just started, um, I think, the same month. Doctor Strange, uh, Mark Wade taking Doctor Strange into space and doing some cool stuff with him. Uh, that that had just started. The hunt for Wolverine was going on, so Logan wasn't even back from being dead at this point. Immortal Hulk number one launches the same time as as Ant Man and the Wasp. The Multiple Man series by uh, Matthew Rosenberg, which is like a lead up into a whole bunch of X Men stuff, that launches this month. Mm-hmm. The uh, adjective list Thor run, one of the last things that Jason Aaron does uh, alongside Mike Del Mundo, where Thor is, you know, just yeah. like running through hammers. That ha- that launches this month. Tony Stark Iron Man by Pretty Dan insane. Slott and folks is this month. Venom issues two and three by Ryan uh, Stegman and Donny Cates had just started. Um, and then the same, the same month is the wedding of Colossus and Kitty Pride. I mean, no. That didn't happen. The wedding of Rogan Gambit. <laughs> so there's a lot going on at this point in Marvel Comics. Yeah. So many awesome stuff going on. Yeah. This was like right before I started working at Marvel too, which is like, it's so weird. Cause like, I remember picking these books up, like not even realizing that I would be working at Marvel in the next couple of months. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. So cool. So cool. <laughs> Have you, what was your first Marvel gig? When, when was it and what was it? My first Marvel gig. Um, I started working at Marvel in 2014. Uh, that was uh, the um, Cyclops regular series. And oh, yeah. uh, the first part of the series was written by, I think, Greg Rooker. Yep. And it was uh, one of the first uh, Marvel gigs also for Russell, Russell Do- Daughter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that because I remember yeah. having conversations with the editors or talent people at the time for both of you, both you and Russell. I was like, these guys are amazing, and separate conversations yeah. talking about how good this <laughs> were. I was like, these are the future, and lo and behold, oh, wow. years so later, like, the future. <laughs> I mean. I know what I'm talking about. Oh my also, God. you guys Thank were you. working on a Cyclops book, and like I remember being like, I've never been the biggest Cyclops fan, but I was like, these guys are insane. Like this is this is you guys made me love Cyclops. Young like on Cyclops, a whole other level, which was so good. I young know, Cyclops. but still, still, I mean, I was like, I didn't know I needed this story. <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, that was so much fun. I mean, it has happened like a couple of times that I was reading a comic book, and then I started working on it. I mean, that happened with Cyclops because uh, Ruka and Dotterman, Dotterman were doing Cyclops. And 
I remember that Dotterman had to take a month off because he was getting uh, married. And when Dotterman came back, he was assigned to Thor. And at that time, I, I came to Marvel, so there was an open spot. So I was already a fan of the series. And they got uh, John Lehman to write the series. And I was already mm -hmm. a big fan of John Lehman so far because uh, I think... I don't know if it was finished back then, but he was doing another book called Two. He won a few Eisner Awards for that. And it was like... Just a, a few. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, it was like truly, truly amazing to be reading a book and being a fan of the character and what was being done in the series, like all the father-son relationship that was being built there because in between... Um, the Corsair, the father of Cyclops and John Cyclops. And later getting to work on that was like really surprising and fun. And that also happened with Avengers and Jason Aaron. I mean, I started reading the Jason Aaron run with Ed McGuinness uh, when it was launched with a number one on the cover and was a big fan of the series. Uh, later when, when he was, I loved that he Jason Aaron was also, he was first teamed up with Ed McGuinness, then uh, Sarah Pichelli was also there for a while, also uh, David Market was there, I mean, I was loving all the different pairings that uh, he was getting in the art, and I was um, like really enjoying the ride because it was a big wild ride, the Jason Aaron run, I, I love it so much, and, um, and it was like... Mm, also truly amazing to getting the invite to be working on that after you know being such a fan of the run so so yeah and i started in 2014 and i haven't stopped since so where does where does this book that we're here to talk about today come like you have ant-man and the wasp with mark wade yep. how does that fall in your lap well uh, i finished working on a book called secret warriors with matthew rosenberg which was um, an inhuman based, they were, those, those were inhuman characters. And it was like a, a really, really, really fun book that I truly recommend to anyone and everyone listening because it's an amazing book. It's a very fun, epic book that not so many people know about and that you should totally check it out. It's only, I think, 11 issues. So it's like a quick read and it's... Uh, super fun and I was really heartbroken that that ended and I was waiting for my next assignment and I was offered Cloak and Dagger miniseries and I was named John Gunn and offered Ant-Man and, and, and how could you refuse working with Mark Wade on an Ant-Man comic I mean <laughs> that's that's a yes <laughs> so yeah right after that came David and Venom I did a, maybe I did a couple of variant covers and then I was offered the series and I started working on that like right away. At the beginning of, I think it was the beginning of uh, 2018. Yep. So in, in putting this together, obviously editor Nick Lowe is just super positive and silly and he's Nick and he's bringing you on. <laughs> he's the best. So you, you get brought into this book. Do they tell you? okay, here's what we're thinking for the story. Do you have a sit with, you know, do you talk with Mark or do you just get a script and just go? Uh, most of the times it's just uh, the script and go. Uh, for Ant-Man, I can't remember 
like exactly, but probably was just getting the script and go. Normally, uh, there's not a lot of time ahead of things just to plan, like deadlines are very tight. I mean, starting to work right away. It makes sense. One of the things I, th I find interesting about the story is how, like, I mean, it's it's a cool story. It's it's we get we don't get Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne. We get Scott Lang and Nadia Van Dyne in this book, and it is such a like odd mix. But it's the first time that they're really like the two are both working together, and they immediately get sucked into the quantum realm. And like, there's so much getting thrown at you right away. Like the first book, we're introduced to all these different like, I guess like subatomic aliens i mean we yep. get there's one and they're like so creative and like i, I wanted to talk to you about them because i want to know where they came from like one of the first things that we get introduced to besides the space vampires are these like gamma color wave beings and yep. they look like nothing i've ever seen before i mean they are literally <laughs> like this like ripple like two-dimensional type of like yeah, I don't even know how to like describe them, but they, you know, they are colored in with a a, a wave of colors, like almost like a mm -hmm. rainbow uh, prism type uh, color. They're missing red, and that's why the space vampires are attacking them. They're these giant red globby figures. Like, where did these come from? Was was Mark Wade just like, here's what I'm thinking, or did you go? How, like, I want to know where that those those <laughs> character looks came from because they're not anything that we've seen before, to my knowledge, in the Marvel universe. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, I mean, uh, those ones, I think they were like, um, it's not, uh, it's not with, um, it's not always the same. It uh, it changes from case to case. On that particular case, I think it was specified on the script that they should look menacing, even though they are not like extremely dangerous. Like they 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 are thinking that they are being um, threatened. So they should be looking menacing, but in the end, they're, I mean, we're talking with spoilers here. I mean, I can talk about yes. <laughs> plot points here. So um, it's one of those cases where appearances are deceptive. So they should, they, they were meant to look like really scary and menacing, maybe like ghosts, um, kind of a mix between alien monster and ghost, but in the end, they are they are kind of the victims here. So we also needed to leave some room to introduce the thing that is really attacking them and stealing that red color from them. So in the script, I remember like Mark getting to the detail that maybe they had like a ghost kind of scent. So they should be menacing, but a little bit ethereal. I mean that leaves a lot of room to design. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was like, that's not a whole lot of like structure. You can still like go wherever yeah, you want with there's, that. There's still a lot of room to go. And mm, with some characters that come later on, that was much, much looser. But with those first aliens that we encounter, it was like more narrowed down. Also, every member of the team tries to see how to get the best from one another. So it happens with everyone. I mean, it happened to me with Matthew Rosenberg on Secret Warriors. It has happened with Jason Aaron on Avengers. It happened with Saladin Ahmed in uh, Miles Morales. So this is, this, is a, this is a work where I think the main goal is to make everyone look good, as good as possible. I, I try to make the script look as good as possible. 
And but that, that also comes the other way. I mean, the writer also tries to make me look as good as possible because if one person wins, we all win. I try to make everything easier for the color artist. So the color artist makes his or her best work. So at first we need like maybe a few pages or an issue to know each other. And I think on that first issue, Mark described things like more detailed, but once he knew that I like, I, I very much enjoy character design and background designing also. So when we were moving farther along the miniseries, when the Sarks are introduced, that was a much looser description. In fact, when the Sarks are introduced in issue three of the five issue miniseries, I remember that I got, I only got the first three pages of the script. And there I was told, look, we're doing a bit to open the issue. It's three pages long and we're gonna play on the Godzilla kind of monster scene where the Godzilla enters Tokyo and starts destroying everything and all the people in Tokyo are freaking out. Oh my God! And they see, yeah. they, they look up in the sky and they see like a giant leg and it's Godzilla's leg and it's crushing buildings and everything is chaos and mayhem. But instead of the monsters in this case are the humans. We are not normal sized. We're in the quantum realm, in the microverse. So everything is kind of flipped upside down. And uh, I was told to design the weirdest thing possible. I mean, <laughs> For this bit to be funny... It's pretty weird. Yeah, it's pretty weird. It's, it's, it's very, very much weird. So uh, I was told that for this to be funny, the weirder the characters are, the more funny it is. So uh, I just... That is like a very loose description. I mean, you can go anywhere with that. So I I thought, well, what's, what's the weirdest thing that you could see and and i don't know brain works in mysterious ways and in that moment i thought a screaming potato a I mean, screaming potato a screaming potato <laughs> that's I mean, perfect that's exactly like it i mean and if the, the and if the alien army comes later i think there's nothing weirder than a screaming potato with a prussian helmet <laughs> i mean those prussian metal helmets with the with a spike on top of it, you know, yeah. like a general, a potato general screaming with a Prussian helmet on, like, fire! And it's a, like a very, very anxious, like freaking out potato. So I drew that. I drew a bunch of potatoes that only had like two moods. They are anxious or they are freaking out. They are, they are not <laughs> calm, they are not sad, they are not happy, they are anxious or screaming in panic. So I drew that, we drew the first scene, and they liked it so much that one of the characters became a supporting, a supporting character yeah. for the rest of the story. That it's the, I was going to ask about that. I was like, did you know that you were going to have to draw that character like continuously for the next three issues? No, I didn't know. I just got those first three pages and I drew that and 
on my head, it was just a scene. It's the opening of the issue. It's just a Godzilla joke. And then we move forward with the rest of the story. But they liked it so much that they incorporated it on the story. That's and so it, that, that's the kind of the feedback that builds up in a collaboration. Which is, to me, it's fascinating because your artwork is so detailed and so like beautiful and intricate and funny and weird in all the best ways. Like I, I rave about every time we get a book of yours. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, to think that you're, you're putting this out on the page, how much are you doing anything as just like, all right, sketches ahead of time, designs ahead of time, and then sharing it, or you're just going straight onto the page. It feels like you're just going straight onto the page. Most of the time I just go straight to the page because, um, Hell yeah. yeah. There's not... Love yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, deadlines are deadlines. I love doing all the design things and I love doing character sheets where, you know, the character is shown the costume and you just uh, move around the character to show the side, the back, the front, like a detail on the helmet, a detail on the belt. I love doing that. But deadlines are deadlines and that comes first because I also know that I don't plan to do as much detail as I end up doing. I don't plan it. It's just my insecurity. When I'm in the <laughs> middle of it, I look at the page and I say, uh, it's not quite there. Maybe if I add more lines here, add more detail, and then, then I add those details and I look at the page and I say, mm, not exactly there. This is looking like kind of kind of wonky. Maybe uh, I, can't, I can't do it all again from the beginning because I need to move faster. I need to end this page and move to the next one. So... What can I do to fix it? Maybe add more detail. And yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a trap. That is very much like a very familiar feeling. As someone who like, you know, creates content, you're constantly like trying to add more, trying to like tweak things. And before you know it, it's been like four hours and you've been working on one like chunk yeah. of this like giant project that you're on. And you're yeah. like, this isn't, I need to like keep moving along or else I'll be here forever. Yeah, we need to wrap this up and, and, and move. And this is the curious thing, and it happens to a lot of artists, that artists that do a lot of detail admire those artists that do very little detail. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this is, this is brilliant with two lines. It's perfectly expressing all the things that need to be expressed. And I... I I'm sure that this artist just takes a couple of hours doing this page. And if I had done it, it would have, it would have taken me like two days. But then if you talk to those artists that do least detail, they admire those artists that do more detail. So it's funny. We are never content with our own doing. It's kind of, yeah. But that's okay. That's that's what helps you build, you know, your your skill sets and makes you keep striving to be better. And yep. while we get double page spreads of 900 Mephistos and they all look different and <laughs> and like they blow our minds or, you know, that there's, I remembered it when I first read the, the Ant-Man and the Wasp and I was reminded of it and rereading it. Just the little inset panel where uh scott is talking to to nadia and he's inside her and he's fixing all the wires in her and all this stuff and he does the the yeah. he stops the nice. three stooges like eye yes. thing <laughs> while he's it's like doesn't miss a beat it cracked yeah. me up yeah. then it cracked me up now and it's a, such a little 
it feels like a, such a small beat, but it's so impactful and so fun and adds so much life and so much character. So if anyone ever gives you crap about putting all that detail, I will fight them for you, Javier, because it's so good. <laughs> Everything you put into those pages is amazing. Yeah, it really is. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Like I, that means the world. I, I thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I put a lot of, I mean, and, and this is gonna sound like very very i don't know corny and sweet but i put a lot of love in every panel in every page i mean i um i took a lot of inspiration in my work ethic and in my work process in um all the things that i've learned watching making offs from movies and i don't remember which movie director said it but there was a movie director that said that every scene was the most important scene of the movie he tried to make as much as possible given the time constraints and budget constraints in a movie uh, in comics time is the budget <laughs> but uh, in movie making the the those are two separate things but that also can play against you because you have to at some point like loosen a bit and try to relax and enjoy the process. You don't have to put so much weight on your back, but I try to like complement the visual storytelling in some way that adds something to the reader. I mean, you can, that you can read the comic in whatever it takes you to read the comic, but it has a value for you to go back to that comic and read it again and find like those visual gags and things that tie the story together. One of the things I wanted I wanted to say, and you're you're hitting on it right now, and it like I'm noticing that these details aren't something that are like overlooked. Like they're very much like adding to the character, they're adding to the story constantly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's it's so fascinating. I mean, Ryan and I have been talking about this show called Poker Face for a while about how like everything, whether it's the the script or the like the actual like scenes, like everything matters. Like every little bit, every detail, every line of dialogue, every, you know, thing that is happening in the background matters and it yep. somehow it, it comes in at the end of the story. You're like, "Oh, okay, this all makes sense." And yep. that is something that I very much see here. And I love hearing all of this from you right now because, I mean, one of my favorite visual gags of this is when they're quantumly entangled, when both uh, Scott <laughs> and Nadia are quantumly yes. entangled. And, like, they mirror yeah. each other so perfectly. <laughs> and it's, like, yeah. when they start getting even closer and, like, their, like, appearances start shifting and, like, their costumes are changing, like, you start to notice these little small details. And you're like, wow, this is actually, like, really well thought out or towards the end of the story you're like oh okay like it all lines up perfectly like that last panel when we see nadia and scott at the baseball game you don't have to like getting hit by the baseball yeah you get they get hit <laughs> by the baseball and like like you immediately as the reader know what's going on because of the visual cues and the gag and it's so well done i love this book this was so good javier i had i had a blast working on it and also because it's a very funny story i mean all the all the jokes all the puns all the uh, every uh, the comic timing in the script i think is like perfect it's very funny uh all the science behind the story or uh, how the how they become uh quantum living particles and uh, then quantum entanglement um how they travel through the quantum burst and the microverse i mean all the science that it's 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 the story how the how the story moves forward is amazing and the um, relationship between Scott and Nadia is also 
like really fun and and they're back and forth and sweet it's really sweet and but what i love the most is that there's the core of the story it's like a beautiful like i always say that maybe you come to superheroes because of the powers but you stay for the characters i mean it's really amazing that spider-man gets to uh wave around new york but you stay because of miles you stay because of peter you stay because of them and uh this miniseries is really fun and it's epic and it's flashy and israel silva the color artist just knocked it out of the park it's incredible the way he had that he uh, colored the whole thing he added so much depth so much detail so much so much texture to it it's like visually it's, it's a treat israel silva just made an astonishing work of art with his color on this miniseries but in the end this is a story about fathers and sons this is a story about scott not trying to fail to attend his daughter's birthday and this is a story about how nadia got to see how the world enjoyed hank pink but she didn't get to have a father the world had a hero but she just wanted to have her father by her side so the core of the story is it's truly beautiful and it's a truly human story that you can connect with and that's that's kind of my favorite story like like a big epic story but with a big heart with a big pounding heart and characters that you can relate to and i think that this series really really does it agreed agreed it's mushy yeah. and gooey on the it's, inside it's wonderful i'm glad you brought up israel silva and, and mark wade and all the amazing work um so much good stuff we hope everybody goes and reads ant-man and the wasp yes. but of course you're still working you're still hustling <laughs> busting your butt making some comics anything you want to tease or talk about before well, we say i'm goodbye? finishing right now alongside an incredible team uh the jason aaron run on avengers i'm working with jason aaron and with such incredible group of artists with adam kuder with jim toe ivan fiorelli uh, they are incredible. We are just working right now on the special that ends the whole run, which is Avengers Assemble Omega. And everybody should just, if you haven't read Jason Aaron Run, this is the moment to enjoy the whole thing. And you will get on time when that special comes out. And I've been lucky enough. It's a big special with, I don't know how many pages. And I get to draw like, uh, I think it was 16 or 18. And I'm very lucky because our those are very emotional pages. There's, there's also a big pounding heart there. And what happens in those pages really moved me also. It's like really beautiful. It's like a big epic send off to everything that's been going on for all these years in that series, but with a big human touch there there are characters that are going through those experiences and just the way that is written is just beautiful and right after that comes other thing that is not yet announced Ooh. and once <laughs> i'm finished working on avengers i'll start working right away on that and i don't know how much can i say I'm really excited. I can say that I get 
to work with a writer that I'm I'm a big 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 fan of. One of the biggest <laughs> in comics. I hate that <laughs> son of a bitch so much. Oh man. No, it's <laughs> now I know lovely. who it is. He's one of my lovely. a good friend. I text with him all the time. It's great. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that afterwards. We're good teases here, Javier. Thank you. We're gonna have to have you on at some point to to talk about Avengers or other stuff. Um, you're always a tre- a treasure. Whatever that is, ah, uh, what it is, what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's been absolutely a double blast to be here again. And anytime you call me, and I'll be there. And with that, we will exit the Garon Zone. Big thank you to Javier for coming on the show again. Big thanks to Javier's husband and dog for uh, being so accommodating for letting us uh, record late in the evening uh, with Javier because, yeah, Javier's in, in Spain. So it's a little bit of a time difference. Which is, a little bit. Which is fine. It's fine. Um, but yes, go check out Ant-Man and the Wasp and go check out uh, all the stuff that Javier is working on with Avengers and that upcoming project we just we can oh tease, but we can't talk about just yet. You're very excited, right? You're so excited. Yeah. Cannot wait for that book. Yeah. But that's in the future. Right now, we got to say goodbye. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos and Jasmine Estrada. Brad Barton is Pull List Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. Jill DeBoff is our Director of Audio. Be sure to email us over at pullist at marvel.com. You can also tweet at us using the hashtag Marvel's Pull List. Um, be sure to rate, subscribe, do all the stuff. Smash that like button, all the good stuff. Um, and uh, tell a friend. See y'all next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. This is Marvel. Your universe.